today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. With the self-isolation, quarantining, and everything else like that, and uh, social distancing, how's your physical health? We talked a great deal yesterday about mental health activities, and that's so very important, of course. But physical health is as well. And, uh, you know, if you're not doing what you usually do vis-a-vis activities, uh, there's a chance, of course, of putting on weight, of, of a number of cardiovascular problems, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I, I, we get the message. I think we want to be healthier. I mentioned last week in my particular neighborhood here, I mean, when I get finished at noon here and I go for a walk, I almost have to book a time here because there's so many people walking around the block trying to stay in shape because, you know, gymnasiums are out of the question, et cetera. But do we have all the tools for the proper self-care that we want? Well, the folks at Abacus Data have done some research on this. Some come up with some pretty interesting findings. And to talk about this, we're so pleased to welcome back to the program David Coletta, who is the CEO of Abacus Data. David, thanks for the time. Good to have you with us today. Morning, Bill. How you doing? Good, good. Uh, interesting stuff here. I know you partnered with Food, Health, and Consumer Products of Canada uh, to explore public perceptions about the healthcare system. What did you find out, David? Well, as you can expect, in the midst of a global pandemic, you know the public is more attuned um, to healthcare generally, and also the healthcare system specifically. And uh, a real concern about the capacity of that system, uh, not just in the midst of the pandemic, but also, you know, is it going to be there when I need it in the future? Uh, healthcare, when we ask Canadians to rate, you know, what are your top issues, is at the top of the list. 65% put it in their top three issues. One out of three Canadians put it as their top issue ahead of economic growth, climate change, inequality, education, and so on. So I think it's put a spotlight on it. And it, it adds to, I think, an underlying understanding of two forces that are, are working um, to both create opportunities around healthcare that the pandemic has has created, things like virtual care, access, you know, to, to health professionals in ways that maybe before the pandemic we maybe not have been comfortable with or wouldn't even thought of, right? Like mm-hmm. connect, talking to your doctor by FaceTime or Zoom, right? Those are things that was always there, but we maybe never wanted to do or thought of doing. So people see that as an opportunity to improve access, but then they also recognize beyond the pandemic. Canada is an aging population, and the pressure on our system, the cost of delivering public health care, people recognize is going up. And so they see, as you might expect, the idea of self-care, which is give Canadians the tools, the information, access to the products that they need to take better care of themselves, not to replace our doctors and nurses and, and pharmacists, but to enable us to, to take a little bit of that pressure off so we aren't going to the emergency room when we don't need to or we aren't going, you know, to see our physician uh, for something that we could treat ourselves with the right information. So the basic idea is, you know, people recognize the problem and they see self-care and a national self-care strategy as, as one way to make our system more sustainable. Well, and when I looked at the numbers and the research that you guys released here, David, I mean, the one that jumped out at me, uh, just to your last point here, 95% of Canadians agreed that uh, we need more tools to care for us, uh, to, to be strong and resilient, et cetera. What, what are we looking for? Well, I think we're looking for trusted information, right? Where do we, there's so much out there right now. So one of mm-hmm. the upsides of the Internet and social media is we have access more information about anything than we've ever had in history but at the same time we're not sure what's right right should i be eating eggs or not should i be you know taking certain vitamins or not and and so 
having health literacy be a, a core focus, making sure we understand what uh, health professionals, experts say we should be doing to improve our own health. Um, other things like creating incentives. Um, there are ways we could create incentives to encourage us to do more exercise, to eat better. Um, and then for, for my client, the, the, the food, health, and consumer products sector, Canadians don't have access to the same over-the-counter medicines that, say, Americans or those in Australia or, or Europe have. And so regulatory burdens and, and processes prevent us from having those products. Think about it. I remember, you know, for a long time, Canadians didn't have access to Aleve, right? You'd see commercials yeah. in the U.S. for Aleve, but we, we couldn't get it on our shelf. That's just one example of not having access to these products. So it's a, it's a full, you know, there's, there's seven pillars about self-care, but it's this full spectrum of information, uh, incentives, and then access that... I think collectively as a country, we can start talking about and put a strategy in place with the goal being not only are we going to have better health outcomes in a healthy population, but it's going to put less pressure on a health system that is feeling strained because of the pandemic, but was already feeling strained even before this thing started. Yeah, I think there's a lot of angst. Uh, the, the people I've talked to anyway, it's been almost a year now, I guess, since a lot of us have been uh, self-isolating or working from home. Uh, you're right, we're inundated with information. Maybe we're watching more TV now and watching American TV. And, of course, there's every second commercial is about some new product that they're developing that's going to help you control your weight or this or that or the other thing, uh, and, and on and on. And we're saying, well, why can't I get that? You know, that's that's a concern that we've got. And you're right, a year ago we would have said, well, i got to call my doctor. I'm going to make an appointment to see that. Well, for a lot of us, you can't do that now. Uh, because right. that's not really the safest way to do things. So we're, I, I guess a lot of us are kind of left on our own, and we're kind of wondering, okay, who do I turn to to get the, the definitive answer about this? And as you say, there's a, a ton of information out there on the Internet, but what's good for us and what's bad for us? And the pandemic has actually created you know, this moment in time where we have had to take care of ourselves and make decisions mm-hmm. about our hygiene and make sure that we you know, reduce the risk of infection of the virus. So... I think probably at no point in our life have we been more aware of our behaviors and our decisions every day that might cause harm to ourselves. And so you're right. I think it then becomes a point of how do we get people there, right? The federal government, for example, has for a long time given us advice through the food guide on what we should be eating and how much yep. of it, right? And and it's not to say that it, they're telling us what to do or they're going to enforce it, but simply bringing um, some trusted advice and guidance so that we are encouraged to make those better decisions and ultimately produce better outcomes, right? It's about prevention. It's about uh, making sure we don't have to access a physician or a health system that we don't have, you know, a heart attack when we don't necessarily need to have one. And so if we collectively do it and the federal government works together on this strategy, the idea would be um, the outcomes for everybody and the system would be better at the other end. I, I can see why uh, the folks at Food Health and Consumer Products uh, would be partnering with you guys because they're they're going to be the vessel for an awful lot of us to, to attain what we want to hear with uh, and, and achieve with uh, with self care. I mean, what we eat, uh, the the kind of activities that we do, or the kind of products that we use to uh, to do those activities. You know, whether it's a, a you know a, a, an exercise bike or pentathlon, whatever it is. There's a whole lot of varieties out there too. But but we're going to look to those 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 agencies, you know, about better nutrition and all these sorts of things uh, in the absence of, of the people that we used to be able to lean on who are out there someplace, but uh, not always accessible to us. 
Right. Well, think you walk into a pharmacy now, right? And and how many aisles of, of different, you know, uh, natural health products, um, consumer health products are there. Well, a pharmacist can can be that kind of guide to help us, you know, make better decisions. And and so it's about connecting all those dots to say all the pieces are there. We just need to coordinate it and 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 speak to the country in a way that they then feel confident that those tools are there to access, right? It's, it's almost like let's bring everything together because we know that everything's out there. We just aren't sure how to, how to implement it all the time. And, and there's lots of competing information that, that sometimes confuses the, the average Canadian or consumer out there. And I guess that falls under the guise of one of the categories you talked about here in the survey about health literacy. 82% of Canadians uh, suggested that that was very important. That's basically knowing what to look for and where to look for it. It is, and knowing, and 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 knowing, you know, a little bit more about our bodies in a way. Like when when I have a runny nose, do I need to run to the doctor, or can I maybe go to a pharmacy and see what might be there to deal with those symptoms? And to take care of myself, I think, is, is, it, is really important. And so we, we talk a lot about financial literacy, right? Are we making the right decisions for our household finances? Uh, we talk about literacy generally. And now this concept of health literacy is important because if we're going to empower people. And, and I've done other research that shows, you know, for the most part, people want to control their own lives. They want to feel that they're in control. In order to do that effectively, we have to have a good sense of, of what's right or wrong when it comes to these kinds of decisions. So health literacy goes to the core of being able to empower people to make those good decisions. What I loved about this uh, survey as well, though, Dave, is you, you expanded the, the, the parameters here, too. And it wasn't just talking about what we're going to be eating and things of this nature. It's also the interrelationship between us and government. And I know they talked about things like, uh, well, the cost of not just prescription drugs, but even non-prescription drugs and, and the methodology. I mean, we pay GST on those. And I, I, I guess a, a majority, an overwhelming majority of people say, hey, uh, you know, let's, let's have this discussion. Why should we have to pay tax on something that's supposed to be making us healthy? Exactly. We don't pay tax on food. Um, and so if, if these are products that, you know, have been shown to have a noticeable impact at either reducing symptoms or making us feel better, allowing us to be more productive. Um, and I don't think it's surprising when you ask people, should we remove the GST on anything? Generally speaking, they're going to say yes. But in this sure. case, I think it's even stronger because it, it makes complete sense, right? This is something that we should not be um, putting more barriers to people to access these products it should make it we should make them more affordable um and so that people can use them safely and responsibly but it not you know take off 13 percent if you live in ontario for example um or increase the price by 13 percent every time you want to buy those and, and maybe it's not surprising because, I mean, there's a, a real change has happened when it comes to prescription and non-prescription drugs over the last number of years uh, because of economic changes, of course, obviously. A lot of people that uh, maybe had drug plans or things of that nature before don't now, and so they're concerned about prices like this. And, uh, and again, to use that, that correlation that you talked about, about you know what we're watching in the media now, uh, we see an awful lot of commercials now about some places down in the States where they offer that kind of assistance you know, to help reduce uh, the cost of drugs, prescription and non-prescription. Mm-hmm. And we're thinking, hey, where's the help for us? And and you're, I think you're, the people that were in the survey here are bang on. The, a good first step there is to eliminate GST and make everything that we have to get at a pharmacy uh, less less expensive. Well, you know, in our survey, the second most highest top issue, that didn't sound right, but after healthcare is the cost of living, 
Yeah. Right? And so you have these two kind of conflicting concerns where people want to be healthy. They want to make the right choices, but they're also feeling the pressure of, of rising costs across the board. Even if, you know, interest rates are, are, are super low right now, people still see that the price of food is going up. The, and, and, and so what can government do to make it more affordable? Well, one way to do it is reduce taxes. And, and if these are things that we are essential to our health, then, you know, we probably, not surprisingly, support getting rid of the GST on those products. Well, and it ties into what you talked about a few minutes ago, too, about, uh, about you know, giving us access to the tools that we need. And in some cases, uh, whether it's, you know, supplements or any number of different other things uh, that we may need as part of that process, and this makes them more affordable. Uh, and that could be, I guess, in, in a roundabout way, the incentive for us to start moving in that direction. Exactly. If you if you reduce the price of things, it's it's one barrier that you've lessened that that would prevent somebody from otherwise, you know, buying that vitamin D that every health professional I've ever talked to says we should be taking over the winter because we're outside less and we're getting less sun on our skin, right? So mm-hmm. if if you reduce the price of that just by a bit, maybe more people will do it uh, and will be able to afford to keep that supplement in their diet uh, on a regular basis. So absolutely. David, did you find in, in the research that, that we're confident that we can attain these goals? I mean, the, I mean this is amazingly the, the, what the usual time of year, you know, the, toward the end of January, uh, where even, you know, those of us that made New Year's resolutions about in bygone years and said, you know, I got to do something about that this year. Uh, and usually by the end of January, an awful lot of us kind of peter out. We don't go to the gym as often and maybe mm-hmm. figure, oh, come on, a pizza a couple of days is, is not so bad for us. And we, t- we tend to rationalize. But I, I'm getting the sense from the strong numbers here that, uh, that folks that, that you talk to are pretty focused focused on this i think they are i think again the the the, we see in other research we've done close to three quarters of canadians say the pandemic itself has caused caused me to think more about my health right to think more about the decisions i'm making every day about how to reduce risk not just to getting this virus but to a whole set of illnesses and chronic conditions that i don't want to experience or i have and i'm i'm living with them now and so i think you know, I think that there is this renewed focus. I think over time, you know, it starts to wear on us and we need to be constantly re-engaged and feel motivated to keep doing the right things. But that's where I think my client would say, and I believe personally, that a national strategy focused on this kind of stuff, that, that, that constantly is, is reminding us from our government, from our uh, health leaders, that, that these are things that should not just be, you know, short-term diets or, or short-term exercise regimes, but a way of life, a lifestyle. And, and I do hope, and I think the data suggests that, the, that most Canadians are going to come out of this pandemic, um, despite the, the, the pain and, the, the, as you talked about, the mental health anguish it's created for so many people, it's going to create this new, I think, moment for us to say, okay, how do we, how do we protect ourselves? Because at the end of the day, that's the best defense against a virus or a pandemic or any illness. And, and I think that's, that's going to be a lesson in all of this that, that I think most people will take away. I'm wondering if yeah, I'm getting that sense, too, from looking at your research here, that, uh, that we're kind of looking not for 
financial help or anything from the government, although the GST thing, I think, is a big thing, uh, but encouragement and, and, you know, maybe a rebirth of, like, the participation program or something. In other words, have the government on message to say, don't forget to be doing this uh, while you're self-isolating and everything else, you know. Uh, let's get Hal Johnson and everybody back on for participation, you know, and said, you know, <laughs> 10 minutes a day. I mean, that, that's reinforcing that message, I think, would be a big part of it. Yeah, and I think government also has a role in coordinating different stakeholders and, and, and parts of the system. Right. Uh, they have a unique power to bring people together, whether that's the health professionals and, you know, the, 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 the companies that make these products and organizations that communicate and, and engage with us. Really, the federal government can do it at a national level because we also see that, you know, depending on where you live in the country, you're experiencing a healthcare system that's very different. Right. Atlantic Canadians tell us in our research they're they're very worried about, you know, the, uh, having access to a family doctor or in Quebec, you know, the, the capacity of their hospitals or in Ontario, you know, so clearly I think our long-term care system uh, is in crisis. And all of these signal that, that you know, while health care is a provincial responsibility to deliver health care, um, the national government can help coordinate a national response that, that at the end of the day, I think we, we all want, and that's what this survey says, a publicly funded health care system that will be there when we need it. But let's give give us the tools to make sure I need it less and less over time, yeah. and and that I think is the big takeaway from from this survey and the work that you know all these stakeholders are trying to do to to move this conversation forward. David, always fascinating to see uh, the research that you guys do. I mean, it's a snapshot into what we are thinking and what we're doing as Canadians, and it's always a a real pleasure to have you on the program. Thanks so much for this today. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me. Take care. David Coletto, the CEO of Abacus Data. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.